especially with the people, with the Israelites who are ready to be obedient, take what's rightfully theirs. They finally have the right heart to go and do these things. In this overarching theme of walking with God, God is wanting them and us, where we're at now, to choose a relationship with him the whole time. That's what he wanted with them to begin with, that they would trust him, that the people would just trust what he says. The difference between now and then is they had a direct relationship with the physical communicator in Joshua, right? Okay. So in our New Testament economy, under salvation, through the shed blood of Christ, the finished work on the cross, God's desire is still the same, a personal permanent relationship trusting in his finished work his finished word his written word by faith right one of those other things that we got to trust in is sound doctrine correct is that not key trusting in sound doctrine and that's really what we're going to dig into and this is where we detour off this study from joshua briefly but it keeps us aware of our daily need to be walking with him and not away from him because if we start walking away from him the way the rest of this lesson unfolds you could easily get duped and what's sad is that there are people that leave our church because of doctrine is doctrine not one of the usually one of the biggest issues why people end up end up leaving which which is which is unfortunate you start listening to the wrong people for years i listened to crf and you know, they had a lot of different pastors. And I learned a lot from there. But I also missed at that time, it was years ago, I, uh, I was lost. But I still listened. Um, you know, David Jeremiah was on there. There was another guy, what was his name? David Moore. Why is it everything? All these pastors, David. Imagine that. Um, but it was funny because his program was called More on Life. So they always stopped on the More on life when they announced it because if you said it too fast it's more on life so i always remembered his program and you know he had a lot of different things that he taught i don't remember a lot of what he taught him but you know after getting saved and the prayer that i've always had is just asking the lord show me truth he showed me truth those truths came through discipleship and learning sound doctrine and learning why we use a king james bible over an over an niv i started out with an niv bible and all that had to be shown to me was Revelation 22, what was added to, what was taken away from, how, you know, how the book of Acts, which we're in, verses removed out of there, it didn't fit. So my disciple was like, what do you think about that? I'm like, that's a huge problem. That is a gigantic problem. How am I ever going to know the truth without having a completed Bible? Just makes sense, right? We have a God that reveals truths. So, a couple weeks ago, I alluded to, you know, the high school study that was going to get started out of Maslin, and spiritual warfare abounds, and through the whole confusion of it, there was, there was a lot of confusion that went on with this. Um, so the kid that was going to end up leading that study, we ended up sitting down with him, and I want to be respectful, okay? So understand this. This is a young man who's your guys' age. I'm not up here to knock him, okay? So I want to be clear about that. This is nothing. Is if I'm taping this. If it ever gets out or he ever hears this, because I believe in the course of our conversation, I'm praying that we 
said things to him, shown him how to hear, that he'll think on. We talked about eternal salvation. And he that was not that wasn't in the cards. In the course of time, and that's really where this is going, is that you know, we found that the assurance of salvation, eternal security amongst a couple other things with them, they weren't there. He believed that you could lose your salvation. The baptism is a necessity for salvation, and that's what we're going to dig into in these things. He was a nice guy, wasn't he? He was easy to talk with. You know, we had a common connection. He does roofing for his job uh, outside of school. He's homeschooled. Um, so with me doing delivery work, I used to deliver roofing supplies, driving truck you know, all throughout Northeast Ohio. So we had a, a worldly connection per se. We had a good conversation. You could easily get along with this guy. Anybody in here really could. He's very good socially. Okay? But that's where I'm going with this when it comes to sound doctrine. Say you start kicking it with this guy. You know, oh man, he's kind of cool. And you know, you start texting or whatever and you know, hey, we're gonna get coffees, or hey, we're gonna go play some basketball, and you start, start hanging out with them. You know, in the course of conversation, start talking about spiritual matters. What did what did what did what did the, what did the serpent say in Genesis three when he's talking to Eve? What was the first words he said? Huh? He said, "Wake up." Genesis 3. What was the first words he said to Eve? Yea, hath God said. That's where it always starts. It always starts. And that's what we're going to cover here too, is that the serpent, the devil, Satan, he's been questioning God's word ever since. It's been perverted. That's what's been taking place. And you could start hanging out with people that are firm on false doctrines and in the course of our conversation of talking with him he was firm on false doctrines and again I'm not knocking him this is what he's been taught okay it's what he's been taught he flat out said in the course of our conversation that he's had mentors he's had mentors disciplers if you will in there and they're there in an apostolic faith He's had people, he's had older men raising him up and teaching these things. And he sucked them in. And now he is very good at his age at being able to articulate these things. Is he not? Yeah. He was good. I'm not going to lie. I sat there with a 17 year old who could go toe to toe with this. And he can sit there and use the Bible to to essentially prove his point even though we explained to him how that was false we pointed out areas especially when it came to baptism and salvation we're like that's not how it works baptism baptismal regeneration doesn't work we worked him through that did we not we were prepared for that okay what I wasn't prepared for and this is what lit a fire under my rear end and it's what ultimately prompted me to want to be able to teach this was that I flat out asked him in the course of this conversation. Sometimes these take times to unearth them, but I flat out asked him. I said, okay, so with everything that we've covered here, do you believe that you can lose your salvation? And he goes, yes, without question. He didn't even think about it. He didn't waver. He flat out answered it. 
He said, yes, you can. And you know, I might get into a little bit more with that next week, but he was very firm on it. And there was, I don't remember all exactly what he said uh, with regard to, he said something along the lines of God, God would love you to hell if that was your choice or you may, have, you may not have gotten saved to begin with. You've been backslidden and you know, it, was, it was things like that. Those are dangerous, dangerous doctrines, especially when we have a Bible that flat out says that there's proof of how salvation works, that you are eternally sealed, that you are written in the Lamb's Book of Life if you accepted Christ personally, right? Do you believe the book? Rule number one of Bible study, do you believe the book? I believe the book. I trust it. So you start hanging around with people like that, they start talking about these things, it might cause you to start thinking. And then you find yourself getting into a little bit of sin. Like, oh, wait a minute, i got a salvation testimony. I know I've trusted the Lord, but, man, why do I keep going back to this? Why do I keep doing this? Man, maybe what he's saying is right. Maybe you can lose your salvation. <coughs> then you start laying there in bed, and you start rolling these things around in your head. Because you're sitting there, you're convicted, and you're guilty about your sin, but then you're sitting there questioning your salvation, all because God's word got questioned. Does it make sense? So that's what leads us into this study. Are you confident on your study sheet? Can you effectively communicate the eternal future we have with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Can you do that? How many of you, if you want to raise your hand or not raise your hand, this isn't a, a poll and it's not an assessment, how many of you are confident and comfortable that in the course of a conversation it turns spiritual that you can share the gospel with somebody? The majority of you can. Really, you can. All of you could. It takes work. We do a study on that. We probably do it, what, later in the year on sharing your faith. If you guys ever have, again, same thing, you ever have questions or something that's been on your mind, like, I want, to be able to, I want to be able to share the gospel. I want to be able to communicate my faith more. Hit us up. We will help you. I remember you were green as a turnip, Jack, and you were going to go cold turkey out to the Jackson Fest, and you're texting me, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. What do you do? What do you, I mean, you're, you know, I get, reading your text, I'm laughing because I'm like, I can feel the tension coming through my phone, and I'm like, it's okay, we'll help you. But what about this? It's okay, we'll help you. But what about that? It's okay, <laughs> dot, 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 we will help you. But did we help you? Yes, we will help you. One of the things that we need to be able to do, and that's what lit this with me, is I want to be able to articulate, I want to be able to explain eternal salvation. You have assurance of where you're going when you take your last breath here on earth. And they can't debate it. They can't debunk it. That's the confidence that I want to have. Can I have it? Yes. Do I need to study it out? Absolutely. Am I confident in my salvation? Yes, I am. But I want to be more confident and more fluid just as a 17-year-old man can counteract and say, you can lose your salvation. I want to be able to say, no, you can't. And here's why. And it's, and it's here, and it's here, and it can just come here. I don't have to have a note sheet. I don't have to have, 
know, it's, it's hidden in my heart. And that's my prayer for you guys as well. Okay, so back to your sheet. So it is critical to the responsibility we have as a local church in evangelizing the lost and discipling the saved. It is critical that we are able to communicate what our future holds when the Lord says our time is done here and what verses specify eternal security. Once saved, always saved, right? Yes. Yes is your blank. And it can be proven and believed. But first is understanding what they understand. Okay? And this is a this is a slippery slope that I'm going to go down. I'm not, I'll be honest with you, I'm just not comfortable teaching about these things. I was looking over your guys' uh, handout last night. I changed my outline headers several times because I did not like the wording that I had in there. I was like, it, it sounds like, I don't want to say it, it sounded like I was promoting it, but what I was afraid of is that it would be misunderstood Especially when your parents grabs it, looks at it, goes, hey, what's he teaching in there? What's just happened? We've had that happen in the past. I want to avoid that. Understand what we are teaching, and it is on your sheet. These are incorrect. These are incorrect. Okay? And if I'm off on anything, I know you're sitting in here. If I'm off on anything, jump in, please. Sure. Don't. Don't let me flounder. I do not want to teach anything amiss. Okay? So, to clarify, please do not take this as a rebuking or not knowing or something that you guys are ignorant of. That's not what this is. Okay? It's about awareness. It's for being ready and equipped. And a re-emphasis on what you may already know to get sharper at it via repetition. Okay? These things take time to get down. It's what grows us from the milk of God's word to the meat of God's word. Okay? These are hard issues. These are hard conversations that you could wind up having with people, and I've had them already. I had another conversation a few years back with with the Ukrainian guy. We got him. We started talking. We were having a great spiritual conversation, and then the subject of tongues came up, and he believed in talking in tongues. And he flat out said that Either he or somebody he knew could interpret them. And that's when that conversation was over. Because that, that's a whole different ball game. That's a whole different ball game. I don't, I don't trust that at all when people start getting into that. But I want this to be clear, that this isn't a bashing on, on people that believe these things. A lot of it's miseducation. It's misunderstanding what God's Word really says. And this whole lesson's for you guys to really get down. It's not for the purpose of debate. So don't go out seeking a fight with others who believe that you can lose your salvation, that believe in baptismal regeneration, that you need to talk in tongues. That's not what this is about. It's not about going out and finding a fight. Now, I know that most of you are not confrontational, but some of you are direct. So we should not assume, we should not assume that all charismatics are lost, just like not all Baptists are saved. Okay? 
There are good, godly Pentecostal charismatics that love God, hate sin, and desire the lost to get saved. They are out there. Many of them are just misled on these things. But if they'd be willing to understand what the Bible says about eternal security, it may change their heart. But you may have the flip side, and the young man that we worked with who's being taught up, and he's firm on these things. You're not going to win that debate. We weren't looking for a debate. We had a pleasant conversation, did we not? There were times it could have got combative. I'm sitting there just like, he's 17, he's 17, he's a high schooler, he's 17, he's 17. I have to remind myself that because he spoke as a mature man in his faith. That is a dangerous individual. I'm not knocking him. What I'm saying is he's dangerous in his that's dangerous. We want to be knowledgeable and correct doctrine, sound doctrine, right? We, I, we, I want to be as sharp as he was. Not that I'm saying he's some pinnacle of it. That's not the case. I'm just saying you want to be sharp. I look at you and how you teach. You're sharp. You're sharp. All of our pastors, when it comes to articulating, speaking the word of God, and, and expounding this book, they can do it. That's how I personally want to be. It's how you personally should work towards as well. This lesson's intent is to build your Ephesians 6 armor. I'm going to really have to step into it. Knowing the, two, knowing the two-edged sword of God's word better in your mind and ultimately your heart. This does not mean that you should be paranoid or suspicious every time that you talk to a supposed believer or have a suspicion of their salvation. Our responsibility is to share the gospel with them, share with them what the Bible says, and they need to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians 2.12 13 you don't have to go there so wherefore my beloved as you have always obeyed not as in my presence only but now much more in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure they need to work that out I had a conversation with my best friend it been years and I find I confront only we had a, it was a frictional conversation because I questioned his salvation because supposedly he got saved roughly back in two, been, 2003-ish, maybe. I don't remember for sure. It was after I got saved. But it was a baptismal deal at a megachurch here locally. But he's never had a fruitful relationship with the Lord. And in the course of that conversation, I mean, he was like, why, why you, why you, basically he was like, why are you coming at me? Why are you coming at me? I'm like, I'm not. I'm not, man. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, this is my best friend, okay? He's like, he's like, I heard what the preacher said. I knew I had a problem with sin. I dealt with it. And that's how he put it. I got to stop there at that point. There's one, I don't want to lose a friend over, over this because there may be more spiritual conversation opportunities that happen. But I know that God's been trying to get his attention over the years. I've seen how things have worked out in his life. I love him. I don't want to lose him over these things. But at the same time, you know, I would love to see him grow in these things. But that was a hard conversation. That was a harder conversation than what we had with young man a couple weeks ago. He needs to work that out. I can't make him work that out. And ultimately, I can't necessarily, if he says he's saved and we went at it, what am I going to do? 
there's a certain line in the sand you got to come to and you just stop and go, all right, I'm going to keep praying it out. Some things you got to do. So charismatics, understanding how salvation and eternal security got this far off. Okay, again, this is with them. and This is at a high level overview. Back on your sheet. There's several several ways that it is that it has over the centuries, but in the start, and we covered this a little bit in Genesis 3:1, yea had God said. Satan questioning the word of God that man has and continues to question God's God's word. And I was listening to some some YouTube videos and that over the course of the week, and you got these, you know, wizards of smart that sit around these round tables and debate, well, the Greek says this, and this version says that, and it's you know, and then Aaron taught on Thursday and some things he shared there. It's like, there's a lot of time that gets wasted on, on these things with head knowledge in the question of God's word. It's like, you're missing, you're, you're totally missing, you know, what, what, what you could be doing to God. Instead, you're sitting around talking about the Greek, you're wasting time. You're wasting time. You've got a perfectly preserved English Bible, and you can use that. So the other ways that they are, New Age Bible versions, non-KJV that have been added to and taken away from, Revelation 22, 18, and, and 19 talks about that. Strangely, in the conversation that we had with them, they're KJV believers. They had, he had a King James Bible. He had the same verses that we had, which made it all the more stranger because typically when you're talking with these folks, they, they're usually working out of an NLT or NIV or ESV or anything, any other version but what we have. So that was that was the first time I ever ran into that. Back on your sheet. This is key. Not This is where it all kind of goes off the rails. Not studying and rightly dividing the word of truth. Taking verses and whole books out of context. What's 2 Timothy 2.15? One one person, nice and loud, who knows it. It's right there. Rightly dividing the word of truth. So I made this clear on your sheet that there's no confusion. Our church's doc, one church's one church's doctrinal statement. I took this off their website, and and how this is incorrect with regard to salvation. And I'm going to try to fly through this here and still get the point home. So they put on there, this is their statement of faith for salvation. This is theirs, okay? I cannot stress it enough. This is not ours. This is for a learning purpose, all right? The New Testament experience of salvation consists of repentance from sin, Water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Okay. So, where's the gospel in there for salvation? All right, somebody read Acts 2 36 to 41. Connor. Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, which 
Okay, so we just read that, and this church's statement for salvation comes out of Acts 2, 36 to 41. What can somebody tell me what you know about Acts chapter 2? Off the top of your head, before we even read the rest of it. What do you know about Acts 2? What? It's written to the Jews. It's a transitional book. Should you base your salvation doctrine for your church on the book of Acts chapter 2? No. When you read that, does it even make sense? It doesn't make any sense. But this is their statement of faith. This is in what they believe. This is a whole church. Okay. Again, this lesson is designed for you guys to be aware these things are out there. There are people that will contend for their faith in regards to these doctrines. Does this make sense? I keep saying this makes sense because I want you guys to understand it. I want to put it belt high. But these things are out there. Okay, so go to Acts 2. Go to the start of the chapter. Okay? When you look at it, you know, you need to go over the context. Since we've been covering the book of Acts in the main service, you know, you know, we'll start in, two, in, in, in verse 2, 2-1. And when they were, and, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where, where they were sitting. And there prepared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It clarifies it here going forward what this is. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, not Gentiles, right? Devout men of every nation under heaven. It's the gathering at Pentecost. You cannot base a church doctrine of salvation around this book. You just cannot. And we tried to show that with him, but he wasn't having it. I'm not knocking him. It's what he knows. My prayer is that he would think on these things, that he would understand these things and give them thought. Hey, you know, I don't know about that. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men under, under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Is there any confusion about what tongues are? It is a known language. I'm not going to touch on tongues a whole lot with this, but at least with this part of it, but this is a big aspect in what they believe. It's a dangerous, slippery slope. It has been taken way out of context, and it's not at all what it's supposed to be, okay? I'm going to get back on my notes. I left off here a little bit. So... 
And these churches that believe this doctrine, I've watched some YouTube videos, and I don't encourage it, by the way. Because I've watched some where these people have been attending one of these churches for a while, and they have their salvation call. And it's, it's a very big emotional ramp up. And maybe some of you came out of this background, but all the people that I've talked to have come from a charismatic background. It's been this big emotional ramp up. And I remember watching this one, and there's like an usher or a leader there, and he's, he's like, he's standing there, he's going, let it out. Let it out, man. I know you feel it. Let it out. And the guy's sitting there. He's like, you can tell if the guy's uncomfortable about the whole experience, the salvation experience. Because they say, did he not say that they don't believe that you got saved until you speak in tongues? That is no confirmation of your salvation until you, blah, 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 you say all this whacked out, crazy, unintelligible, non language but he's sitting there he's going come on man let it out let it out let it, out. it was disturbing it was freaky i watched one video on it that was it I'm like okay i don't need to see anymore false doctrine it abounds it's out there and you can be talking to these people and you don't know what they believe you got to work these things out through questions not an interrogation let the lord work those things out naturally in the conversations that you have with people does that make sense? Don't go on fishing expeditions looking for gotchas. Don't always be looking for gotchas. Look for opportunities to share the truth. All right, so we're going to jump into this a little bit more. So there's a verse that I want to look at here in 22, in, uh, uh, in chapter 2. So you look at verse 21. Somebody read 21. Haley. And that shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Wait a minute. Is that verse familiar? Is that verse familiar? Where else do we hear that verse? You're similar to it. Romans 10 13. Go to Romans real quick. Romans 1. Go to Romans 1 7. So what do we have here in Acts? We have Jews. Go to Romans 1 7. What does Romans 1 7 say? If somebody's there, go ahead and hit it. Who's got it? To all that be in Rome, the love of God, to all that be saints, grace to you, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. To all that be in Rome. What's in Rome? Jews? Gentiles. Gentiles. What's Romans 10 13? Oh. We have churches that are established the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit's come upon these Jews and proselytes, this big gathering of people. This is the first experience. This is the transition into the church age. Okay? I want to show you guys that. There's a difference. And it comes back to how to study the Bible. Do you, any of you guys remember what the factors are? Any of the factors? You had to pee in that, in that instance. You have the people factor. You also have the time factor. And I didn't have the time to look up what the time factor was between that time in Acts to this time in Romans. So I apologize for not getting that. I should have. So anyway, all right, we're going to knock this out. Does all this make sense at this point? I mean, is it all belt high? Is there any confusion in what I've taught so far? All right, cool. 
there is, you can feel free to hit me up. So, expound upon this further. Acts 2, 1 to 36. The context is Jewish. Peter gets up and he essentially gives them a reverse history lesson out of the book of Joel. The context is Jewish. It is a Jewish feast day of Pentecost. The Jewish apostles, Acts 1, 15 to 26, are gathered together to receive the Holy Ghost, which their Jewish Messiah had promised them would come. They're in Jerusalem. There are no Gentiles present. Any Gentiles that were that had become Jews were proselytes. And they're from all over the place. It's a gathering. Peter, the apostle of the Jews, establishing Galatians 2, 7 through 8, stands up and preaches a message derived from the Jewish Old Testament. Check this out which was not the Old Testament at the time in history, but rather the whole Bible. Think about that time then. Does it make sense? You have churches basing false salvation doctrine on an event that was for the Jews. That whole section is for the Jews. It's clear. You have to rightly divide the Word of God and understand it. So it's not old. It's not historical at that time. Rather, the whole Bible. He quotes the Jewish prophet Joel, Acts two sixteen to twenty one, and he does not say that this is absolute fulfillment of Joel's, Joel's prophecy. But rather, they see and have seen in the life of Christ is the New Testament coming to life. The New Testament is starting to come to fruition. The beginning of the Old Testament prophecy taking place. This is which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Peter's message does not end until verse 36. He keeps preaching, telling them that you know what they see, what Joel wrote about. He essentially gives them the reverse history lesson again. It's important to put Joel's quote in the context of Peter's message. Peter's been talking about what is taking place between the resurrection and the second coming. So there's also, you have a spot in there that says those days. You've got to understand that. Okay, You've got to rightly divide the word of God. Study to show thyself approved, right? You can't just read through this and go, okay, and you dismiss it. you got to work them out. It's part of your walk. It's a marathon. Our walk with the Lord is not a quarter-mile quarter drag race. It takes time. The theme of Joel is the day of the Lord. Pentecostals, Charismatics say we are currently living in the time of Joel's prophecy that began in Acts 2 and is continuing until this day because they do not make the proper division. 2 Timothy 2.15, doctrinal error is the result. The key is found in the very prophecy of Joel in 2.28 in the word afterward, after the beginning of the Lord's day, during, the after, during and after the tribulation of those days, the things spoken of in Joel would come to pass. Obviously, the prophecies spoken in Joel 2.28-32 and Acts 2.19-20 have not come to pass. Another reference in there is Hebrews 8.10. I know that's a lot to kind of throw down, but again, these things make sense when you're looking at the context of Acts chapter 2. All right, so real quick, we'll get through this last section. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is the spirit part of new birth. Again, this is their doctrine, which is incorrect. It is necessary. Necessary is what they say for salvation. They're telling you you have to be baptized for salvation. Okay? The Holy Ghost was first poured out on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, 1 through 4. And we covered that already. Okay? This is a New Testament economy. John 5, 3. 
Jesus answered, Very verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. They reference this verse. They're talking about Nicodemus. Okay? It clearly lays it out in the following verses. So, so if you look at verse 6, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. You are talking about the spiritual rebirth of your physical body. When you got saved, were you reborn? I was reborn. My physical body was reborn spiritually, and now I have fellowship with Christ, right? That's what he's talking about that. So what else debunks the necessity of baptism for salvation in the Bible? you got the thief on the cross. I would encourage you to look these up on your own. The thief on the cross, Luke 23, 37 to 43. When he said that he would trust him, did Jesus stop and like, okay, wait a minute. This man has to get baptized before he comes with me into paradise. Did that happen? That's crazy. But they center around these things, and it's scary. Okay, so that's one aspect. And then you have the Ethiopian eunuch on Acts 8, 27 through 39. He believes first. He believes first, and then he gets saved. Work through those verses, and you'll see them. So when you look at how our charismatic counterparts take these out of context, it becomes a works-based salvation. I'm glad for sound doctrine. I'm glad that all you have to do is call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. He makes it easy. This is all taken out wrong. And you can simply believe simply believe what God says. Call upon him and you'll be saved. It's that simple. So next week, we're going to get into more verses that are going to cover the assurance of salvation, the eternity of salvation. Uh, we have John 3.16, John 3.36, Ephesians 2.8.9, Titus 3.5. We're going to cover more upon those. And we'll get into that. And that will help you guys really build your, build your arsenal up. Let's go ahead and pray real quick. Dear Lord, thank you for being able to teach these things today. Uh, presenting a miss, Lord, I pray it's brought up that uh, just uh, be able to teach these things accurately and correct. And thank you for the attentiveness of the of the, uh, the students, Lord. And just uh, pray for them going out this week. And uh, just pray that they'd have opportunities, Lord, that they would be uh, in fellowship with you, be in prayer with you daily. And uh, Lord, just uh, just walk with you. Lord, thank you for being so good to us. And just uh, pray for Stephen preaching this morning. We love you and we thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thanks, guys.